DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is the author of many best-selling books on the theology and spirituality of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He holds the St. Ignatius Chair of Spiritual Formation at St. John Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado. Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Gallagher. Once again, thank you, Chris. We're continuing in this, examining the various aspects of spiritual desolation as shown in the lives of the different characters and their stories, which we have said over and over again, so many of us have experienced in one way or another. And this is very true when we once again encounter Beth. So again, we see Beth, uh, she arrives home to her apartment after a tiring day as a physical therapist. And she has a Wednesday evening routine. This is when the, the Bible study it takes place in the parish. The diocese has a Bible school, and it's a four-year program, and she has entered it and has very much liked it and found it very fruitful. But tonight, none of that energy is there. So she prepares supper, and she doesn't know. Just nothing in her really wants to go down to the parish this evening for it. Maybe it's that she's feeling tired. It's further tension with her co-worker, Susan. She's not sure what it is, but she decides she's going to go. She made a commitment. She's going to be faithful to us. So this is perfect. That's exactly what Ignatius says is in time of desolation, don't ever make a change. So she makes herself prepare supper and have supper as usual. She makes herself get her books and materials together. She makes herself go down to the car, makes herself drive to the church makes herself smile as she greets the others, and then takes her place, the teacher comes, and the study begins. And she does her best, so she's doing everything uh, rightly here. But tonight it just feels sort of barren and empty, kind of tasteless. They are studying the book of the prophet Hosea at this point, and there's this there's very beautiful spousal imagery there of God who draws his people with bands of love and so forth. But uh, none of this resonates with Beth. She looks at her watch. There's still 45 minutes to go before it's going to be over. There's the group discussion. She does her best. And she does this well enough so that probably nobody there even realizes the way she's feeling. Inside, she's just wanting this to end so that she can get back home. Well, now she's back in her apartment, and she's just wondering, what, what was that? What was going on there? She loves the Bible study school. Uh, it's been very helpful. She knows how it's helped her to grow spiritually. Why was it so different this evening? And again, it, it's very similar to what we've seen before. That, Well, maybe I've gotten all that I can out of it. Uh, maybe it's time to let it go, etc., etc., etc. So she decides that she really needs to talk this out with Father Reed. So that Beth gets everything right in this scenario. And she is simply experiencing another form of, of uh, spiritual desolation that Ignatius describes as, in, in spiritual terms and in our spiritual life, feeling totally tepid, um, no fervor, no warmth, just sort of sticking in and being faithful and 
because uh, we've taken commitments, which is a beautiful thing to do. So no shame that she experiences this, uh, no surprise. We could imagine, for example, that uh, let's say it's the pastor who is teaching the Bible study, and he's familiar with this teaching, and he might well, maybe early on in the course of the program, tell people, you are going to experience times like this. Uh, Don't be surprised. Don't be ashamed that you feel them. It's all part of the spiritual journey, and then prepare them to know how to respond. So Beth is going to do the right thing here. She's going to speak with Father Reed, and then he's going to share with her pretty much probably the kinds of things that we're saying here, quoting Ignatius on this. Father Gallagher, as you said, this is something to be expected. As you're wanting to grow in the spiritual life, you might have started an RCIA program. You might be halfway through a parish mission. It kind of touches upon one aspect that you've talked about, pre-event desolation. We've even joked about in the past between you and I, sometimes it's in the event desolation when something takes a longer time or a period. And it's, like you said, not to be ashamed, but it's important that you continue through, if you can, and realize where that's coming from. Yes, Ignatius' teaching, just the thoughts coming to me as we're talking about all of this, his teaching about the spiritual life is about as real as it gets. You know, everybody recognizes the things that he's talked about. When we don't recognize them and don't know how to make sense out of them, that's when they can hurt us, which of course is the enemy's goal. But when we are prepared by this teaching, which is just solidly, you know, feet solidly planted on the ground, this is actually what happens. Now we're talking about spiritual desolation a lot because this is a review of different struggles in the spiritual life, but the other part is very real too, you know, and even more real. When the good spirit, um, brings us spiritual consolation, joy in the spiritual life, a sense of an increased ability to love, and the many things that we've been saying all along. This is what the spiritual life is. So, Beth has no fervor this evening in in the Bible study. There's, There's no crisis in that. Nothing needs to be different. She just needs to be aware that this is a tactic of the enemy to try to discourage her. I doubt that anyone in our Catholic spiritual tradition has ever described as clearly and completely these different tactics of of the enemy. And uh, forewarned is forearmed, you know, and that's the whole purpose. In closing this section on Beth, then, I think it's safe to say we've kind of experienced different dimensions of the varying degrees as it were, of maybe pain, kind of the ache of desolation. We've heard stories of, uh, there was one with Kathy where it was very, she did not feel, uh, where were you, God? She felt like she had been abandoned. And so that was very acute. But what Beth is describing in this lack of fervor feels more like a, a dullness. So Desolation has a quite an umbrella, quite an array, doesn't it, of a way that it can affect us. Desolations can vary in intensity and in duration. So Kathy's 
desolation is much more intensely felt than Beth's. And maybe Beth gets through this well, and the next day her energy, spiritual energy, is all back in, in place again. And so it was an evening that she experiences as Kathy, as we've seen, it's going on for a number of days. And it's something that um, she will speak with Father Reed about and find her way. So yes, that all of that is to say that spiritual desolations vary. They may be more or less intense, and they may be of shorter or longer duration. Short. And the same thing is true of spiritual consolation. There may be uh, five minutes of a 20-minute period of prayer that is consoled, and the five minutes uh, pass, but the grace remains. It may be all of those 20 minutes. It may be a morning. It may be a week, weeks, maybe months sometimes. So that both consolations and desolations vary in their duration and in their intensity. Well, I'm so glad that we have struggles in the spiritual life, their nature and their remedies. And I know that may have sounded at, yeah, I guess I am glad we have struggles because, well, ultimately that means we're going to grow and, and have a deeper, richer relationship with God. Probably all of us looking back on struggles would find it easier to say that than when we're actually in them. You know, and I just want to reverence the fact that struggles are struggles, and there may be suffering and pain. Uh, it's difficult, for example, for Kathy to go through what she's going through there. But let's say a year, five years from now, she'll look back on it with gratitude because that struggle allowed a kind of healing that touched the deepest place in her heart and will be the beginning of something new in her relationship with the Lord. As we've said before, all of this is really to say that God's loving providence never stops working. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. We'll return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. A prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts.
We now return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thank you once again, Chris. We're going to continue our conversations on struggles in the spiritual life, their nature and their remedies. And we're going to be talking about Paul and his father and the experiences of how, as the book will in the chapter identify it as, I feel sad. But I don't feel sad talking to you about it because I know we're going to have an answer. Yes. It's uh, really wonderful to have a guide like Ignatius as we go through this. All right, we've been watching Paul in a number of the preceding conversations, and now we're introduced to a correspondence between Paul and his father. And something rich has just happened last summer in their relationship, and they found themselves able to speak, converse on a level much deeper than they've ever had before, and both of them are really happy about it. And... Paul says this to his father in an email, and his father responds that it's mutual. It's something that he also is really happy about. And then he surmises as he writes that maybe what's made the difference is that I, that is Paul's father, has been getting more serious about uh, the spiritual life and living his relationship with the Lord. He tells Paul that uh, as he's making this effort, sometimes it's easier and uh, other times it's harder. And so it helps him that Paul has shared the fact that sometimes he struggles when he prays. So his father, in a subsequent email, says this, Well, if I can say it, I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one who struggles. I'm so new to prayer, I mean personal prayer, that I don't understand much about it. I'm trying, but I often have questions that I can't answer. You mentioned being sad in prayer. Uh, Why do you think that's happening? So this gives Paul an opportunity on the level that they're now um, sharing to talk about some experiences that he's had in his prayer. And one of them is this. So he prays either in the morning before he goes to the high school to teach, or if that's not possible, he'll look for a time to go into the school chapel and get these 20 minutes or so that he tries to give daily to prayer with Scripture. During that prayer, sometimes I just want to sit and be with the Lord. And I would guess that probably uh, we recognize that experience. You know, you may be reciting a psalm or praying with a scriptural passage and something in you at a certain point doesn't want to be active and just wants to be. And it's not an empty being, it's a being with. It's kind of like to use an image, a couple who have been married for decades, have grown elderly together, and at times they just sit together, and uh, something very rich and beautiful is happening. So Paul indicates, which is a sign of the richness of his prayer, that sometimes he feels drawn to do this as he prays. Maybe I've been praying with a biblical passage, but then I put the Bible down, and I'm just there with the Lord. It's welcome, and it's happy. Then this thought comes. You are praying. You should be reflecting on the passage or using the time better in some way. Right now, you're not doing anything. This isn't really prayer. As I said, it's not dramatic. And in fact, he says, for a long time, I didn't even notice it. The thought doesn't stop me from praying in that quiet way. 
but it makes me uneasy and diminishes my joy. That's when the sadness comes. So Paul is very alive to this and very alert to what's going on there. So there's something very beautiful has happened in his prayer. It's that space of which Ignatius says, there I will rest without anxiety to go forward until my heart is satisfied. But then it's like on a winter's day, here is a, a warm room in the family home with a fireplace, with a fire burning. And then someone opens a window just for a moment and a raft of cold air gets in. And so it doesn't stop Paul from praying this way, but it just brings a little uneasiness into it. And it gets just a little bit heavy. There's just a little touch of sadness that comes in here. Now, after all we've said, I don't think we have much trouble at all in identifying this as the action of the enemy. Uh, just trying to bring a little sadness into the joy and the warmth and the communion that's there. And what's beautiful is that Paul is so alive to this, so able to name this. In a subsequent email, he describes another kind of experience of the same thing. I've noticed another thing. Sometimes when I pray, I want to bring ordinary daily things to the Lord. I want to talk about them and ask for help with them. Maybe it's something in my relationship with Rose, some small tension or a decision we need to make. Maybe it concerns the children or my teaching or projects that I have in mind. Anything that's part of my daily life. And then a thought comes. What about the real problems in the world? What about people suffering from wars, earthquakes, and other natural disasters? What about people starving, people who have no homes? What about people battling cancer or other illnesses? Look at you. Aren't you ashamed to bring such petty things to the Lord? Like the other thought, this doesn't stop me, but it dampens my freedom and joy as I pray. All right, through a different window, something of the same action of the enemy is, is evident there. He just wants to share things of his life with the Lord the way people who love each other just want to do and who delight in that kind of sharing. And he is sharing these with the Lord who knows that even a sparrow falls to the ground and who has counted even the hairs on our head, which is biblical language for saying that God is intimately close to us. But there's the thought. The window opened again, then shut, but the thought got in. Aren't you ashamed to be bringing such little concerns to the Lord when there are real, serious, major concerns in people's lives? So this is an, it's another nice illustration of the way the enemy works. Just trying to diminish something of the joy. Just bring a little bit of trouble or, or sadness into it. And you can see where this is going. Be aware, identify and firmly reject. And then a third illustration of the same thing that Paul's noticed. One final version of this sadness. St. John of the Cross says that many reach the threshold of deep prayer, but never cross it. They just remain there without progressing further. When prayer is difficult and dry, when I'm distracted, when I just want the time to be over, as happens to all of us at times in prayer, there is the thought, you're one of those who will never cross that threshold. You've been praying for years, and look at how poorly you do it. St. John of the Cross had people like you in mind when he said that. You're not wholehearted about your prayer, and so you don't make progress. 
And again, he tells his father that the thought doesn't stop him from praying, but it just brings a little touch of sadness into it. All right, so this is one way of describing a further tactic of the enemy and another form of spiritual desolation in which the enemy wants us to feel that kind of sadness. And if we're not aware of it, even totally sad, you know, as uh, Ignatius says here. No, ashamed to bring such small things to God, the God who is, as uh, Augustine says, closer to me than I am to myself. You know, all of these things, they're, they're just discouraging lies of the enemy. But the enemy will attempt this tactic to try to get us to feel a certain sadness in our spiritual lives. So what's the answer? Well, it's everything we've been saying all along. But this is one more place in which we can mention the examine prayer, which is a few minutes toward the latter part of the day, probably, in which we stop to look back over the spiritual experience of the day. And this would be a time in which Paul, for example, might be able to see more clearly what's going on here and know that the call is to reject it. And finally, we can add maybe one more thing to all that we've said thus far. As Ignatius describes this kind of spiritual experience, spiritual consolation, spiritual desolation, with his associated temptations and burdens, he advises us that all of us have some place where we are most vulnerable to these tactics of the enemy. Oftentimes, it's the place where we find it hardest to hope that change is ever really going to be possible. You know, the sense that all these other counsels, Ignatius, that you're giving, they're really helpful, and I know they're going to make a difference. But it's hard for me to believe that this one area is ever really going to change. You know, I'll really ever be able to grow in that area. And Ignatius lovingly addresses that area as well and invites us, if we can, and again, if we're accompanied, it's easier to notice what that place of greatest vulnerability is. Now, there's no shame in having a place of greatest vulnerability. Again, simply what happens as we live in this fallen but redeemed and loved world, whether out of our upbringing, life experiences, all that goes together to weave the tapestry of our lives, there will be a place where more than in other ways we are vulnerable to get discouraged, to feel that sadness, to lose heart, and so forth. So Ignatius' counsel is notice, identify, Can you name what that area is? You know, things are going well, and then this happens again, and it's like the energy, just spiritual energy just drains away, and so on. Because if we can notice what it is, liberation then is possible. We can start using the spiritual tools to grow and strengthen that area that is most vulnerable. Tools, all the different forms of prayer that we've mentioned many times, being accompanied, spiritual reading, the examined prayer, the sacraments, all of this richness of this arsenal of spiritual means that we have, weapons, you know, to hurl at the enemy. And then the area where we felt the least hope starts to become an area of hope. And when that happens, very much will change in the spiritual life in a very blessed way. I think you bring up so clearly in this particular conversation from this experience, the danger of comparisons, that whatever the enemy might be bringing 
forward to us in that need to compare, that should be right there. Why am I comparing this to others or what I should be doing? And I want to say this real delicately because it's a very strong word, but it's scrupulosity. Sometimes we might be too thinking that we're we're not doing enough compared to those people over there or what somebody might be telling me I should be doing. And these are all, can this all be in part of the experience that can make us very sad because we're just not living up or we're not doing or caring in a way that expresses our true love for God? You know, I think you would all readily recognize the truth that there is always an individual quality about any relationship of love. People rightly feel that no one's ever loved a spouse the way I love the spouse, or we're the closest friends you could ever imagine, and so on. There's a deep truth in that, that every relationship of love is individual. And that's true, as all the spiritual writers will tell us, about the way God loves each one of us. It's in a way that uh, is not duplicated anywhere else and is unique and shaped to the person that God has created us to be. So the comparison's not going to serve much purpose, really, and they're probably only going to be more discouraging than otherwise. And we need to give our hearts the freedom to be loved in the way that God is loving each of us individually and to walk the path that God traces out individually for each one of us. Scrupulosity is another issue in the spiritual life, and uh, Ignatius actually has a separate teaching on that. And that's where we feel an anxiety about some aspect of our spiritual life that there's no need to feel that really doesn't have consistency. And then the growth there consists in Uh, growing to the point and probably being accompanied in the ways that we've said and all the different measures and tools that we've described so that that level of anxiety probably gradually begins to dissipate and we have more peace with those things. But that's a separate kind of issue and something Ignatius will deal with in a separate place and deal with beautifully. We're called to freedom from that as well. I can't help but be reminded of Rule 14. I know we haven't necessarily gone through the the spiritual exercises or the discernment of spirits in that first week, each one separately in this series of conversations. But this really seems to be one of those because he has a good relationship in his prayer. He knows where he's at. He's able to identify and being able to communicate it to others. And yet he still needs to go back and to draw upon all those wonderful resources that you've described as well. And what, you know, the encouragement that we do get from Rule 14 as we're sent on our way. Yes, it's like, I've come to think over the years, it's like Ignatius having enriched us in so many ways, almost as it were, saves the best for last. That last stronghold of doubt, of fear, of anxiety, of sadness, with that sense that I don't know if I'll ever really be able to get beyond this. That's what he addresses, as you say, Chris, uh, rightly, in his, the final rule, the 14th of his rules. So that that's the, the final place of growth toward which he leads us as we go through this uh, set of rules. We'll summarize them before we end this set of conferences, but you, you pick up well on the fact that 
that is the final building block or whatever you want to use here, means for healing that Ignatius gives us as we go through this teaching. Well, thank you so much, Father Gallagher. It's always uh, a privilege to share this kind of teaching. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. Or you can find it in the free Discerning Hearts app. You can also view the video of this presentation by visiting the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher.